babe it's been a hot minute i feel like every single time i record an episode it's been like nine months since the last one but that's funny and possibly even quirky in a way so i thought i'd come back um i've just moved to university whoop whoop and i'm very very bored during the daytime obviously freshers week is like fun most of the time but then you know when you're not like doing shots of your professor's hairy belly button then it's like what am i supposed to do with the rest of my time you know study get ready for the course no it's not for me it's not for me um so i think i want to do a little episode about cancel culture um because i think i planned this one quite a while ago and i was like oh that'd be fun and then i unfortunately went missing in action i went awol i went ligma i can't think of any other words that mean disappeared anyway i think cancel culture and today we'll be posing the question does cancelling work is it a good form of taking accountability or is it a cruel and unusual punishment so when we think about cancel culture i think immediately we have this like huge negative association with it which i think is fair enough because obviously someone getting cancelled it's like oh what have they done i immediately think of the word tea I think of gossip, I think of Twitter accounts that are literally dedicated just to, like, YouTube tea. And I think we've all had a dark phase where we've been, like, seriously invested in, like, James Charles and Jeffrey... Jeffrey... Why do I not know his star? I want to say Jeffrey Dharma so much, and I don't know why. Jeffrey Dharma, that is who I was thinking of. Um, Jeffrey Dharma has actually been cancelled, unfortunately. Um, I think he's probably definitely worth cancelling, but we're not actually talking about him today. So it looks like that we kind of, ugh, it seems like that we all associate cancel culture with accountability. And when we Google it, we get this definition that says cancel culture or call out culture is a phrase uh, contemporary to the late 2010s and early 2020s used to refer to a form of social ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it's online, on social media or in person. Uh, and the people that have been subject to that ostracism are said to have been cancelled. I think there are a good few examples you can think of, like, uh, you know, I think of Jeffree Star or Jeffrey Dahmer, not the same person, but both cancelled, in fact. Um, and I also think of James Charles. Like, I think of these, like, YouTube people, YouTube, like, even Shane Dawson and Jenna Marbles. Like, I think cancel culture is most prevalent on people that kind of vlog and, like, obviously public people, public appearances, but it's quite unusual, I think, that we have someone in... I want to say more traditional media like news people, political figures that are cancelled as such. I think possibly because we know that cancelling is kind of a more, I don't know, a less potentially serious offence. You know, it's not like we haven't cancelled Reagan. Do you know what I mean? Like no one said like, oh my God, Ronald Reagan cancelled, Donald Trump cancelled. It's not like, I suppose because we kind of have no faith in these people initially, the difference would be that, you know, when we look at something, when we look at like fucking Zoella or Alfie days, we're like, oh, fun, you know, in 2010s, you're like, oh my God, fun. And then you're like a Tory, conservative, you know, it's almost like the loss of faith is what makes someone get cancelled, I think. But what is interesting, having said that maybe in more traditional media, we don't get so much talk of cancel culture, particularly in the UK. Uh, I'm really sorry if you can hear doors slamming. I am, in fact, living in halls or dorms at the moment. And the doors are fire doors. So if you cl- if you don't close them, they beep. Because it's a fire hazard. Not in my accommodation, but in someone else's. And I think that's awful. Anyway, in more traditional media, we kind of see this thing, like I was saying, in the UK. Uh, 
And when you look up cancel culture, the most the top stories that we get in the UK, I get a lot about Bollywood and the Hindu times, and I'm not sure why they think I'm in in that in that social circle. I'm not. I don't keep up with that. Um, but in the more traditional media, the things that I think are kind of like interesting, we have this title from the Guardian, a quite well established and supposedly impartial narrator for current news. Okay. And the title is, Dissenting Voices on Royal Mourning Have Been Silenced. This is, quote, cancelled culture. That was posted 18 hours ago, talking about people that are protesting and, uh, you know, re- holding signs at, uh, at marches or processions for the Queen, you know. And I think that's absolutely fine. I'm not personally a royalist. Um, I think she can suck her mum, the Queen. Um, but... Yeah, I think it's an interesting use, and it does feel a bit like an old man being like, fuck, like, I can't think of a phrase for, uh, like, shitting on people that are denouncing my beautiful Lizzie, so I'm going to call it cancel culture, and I think think it's an incredibly funny use of the word cancel culture, because if we've just said that, that cancel culture is used to refer to a form of ostracism, are we, are we saying that the people protesting the Queen are, are ostracising her because she's dead? We can't, how can we ostracise her? Um, Or are we saying that it just, it doesn't work. Cancel culture, we haven't cancelled the Queen. No one's cancelled the Queen. We just don't like her or don't like the idea of royalists or the idea of monarchy. I say we. Me? I don't really, I don't really give a shit. I don't have the time to think about this, okay? I'm sorry. Um, I'm busy scratching my butt and trying to suck my own dick behind the wheel of my car. Okay, I have things to think about. So what I want to answer, the question I want to answer for my own sake and for your interest maybe, is does cancel culture provide accountability to those that have, have done something worth of ostracization or something that we deem worth of, worth of ostracization? Or is it just a form of censorship? And I suppose that's what this Guardian article is talking about. We are, you know, if you look from their point of view, we are cancelling the royal, you know, we're cancelling the monarchy. We've, um, it, I'm trying to make sense of it so hard. I'm reaching so hard to make the Guardian make sense. But th- what the fuck is going on anyway? So does, does cancel culture work? Does it force someone, by work, I mean, does it force someone to take accountability for something that they've done, for something that they've said that is, you know, worth reparation, something that is truly harmful, you know? When people cancelled, for example, Exorcist Tentation, I was part of that witch hunt. I don't fuck with that man for beating his pregnant girlfriend or whatever and being a humongous homophobe. It's not for me, unfortunately. It's not for me. Um, but yeah, some people say it's a witch hunt. Some people say that cancel culture is actually quite effective. I think... I don't really know where I land on this. Let's talk about it. So accountability would mean the blame and fault landing on someone's shoulders. Someone being accountable means they are taking responsibility for what has happened. They say, yes, I did this. However, I think the big mistake we make when we say accountability is we think it inherently means someone apologising for and an admission of guilt even. Even an admission of guilt saying, I did do this, does not necessarily mean I did this and I recognise that it was wrong. It's not an apology. You know, Jeffree Star coming out saying, yeah, I did say I would bleach a black girl's skin, doesn't mean he's saying... You know, you can't be like, oh my god, King, you said you did it, it's fine, we forgive you. That's not, I don't think it's how it works, I don't think it's how it should work, but a lot of the time it kind of does in a weird way. 
Um, and I think that is one of the main problems with talking about accountability versus punishment and censorship, because the line is so thin. Um, so if an admission of guilt doesn't make someone change, you know, what does? Does pushing someone off a platform make them change? Does it force them to re-evaluate their views? You know, some examples would say that it does. You know, if we think about Jenna Marbles, okay, I don't know if you're super familiar with her. I love her. I've loved her for a long time. She was on YouTube for, since 2010, I think was her first video, maybe 2009. The height of YouTube with Shane Dawson. Think Shane Dawson, think about that emo haircut. Think about his black face, okay? But anyway, we're talking about Jenna Marbles. So she was on YouTube for a really long time, you know, 12 years she was on YouTube. She said the N-word on a video, I think, or a really old tweet, and it resurfaced. Uh, and, you know, ca- cancel culture came for her. Some, you know, people were saying, you shouldn't be allowed a platform because you've said, you know, you've said something offensive to most people. I think I'm pr- pretty sure I speak for most of us when I say, we don't like the N-word. I feel like that's not a hot take. Um... But what she did, she, this was later, you know, it resurfaced and she decided to leave YouTube willingly. And I think when I say that, it feels like such a unique example. She was cancelled and she left YouTube after 12 years of having a career doing the exact thing she was doing. After making what, I mean, what I would consider one mistake or potentially one example of ignorance. She, you know, she, I don't think she hate-crimed anyone, but I'm white, so I don't really, you know, I don't really get much to say on this. But I think her leaving YouTube, leaving her career, is quite an interesting example and something we don't often see. Because a lot of the time, and I'll come into this later, cancelling someone does not push them off their platform and does not ultimately end their career. It doesn't a lot of the time. So just a quick segue... A slight interest in kind of the more modern media. If you're on TikTok, you'll know about, probably, you'll probably know, about this guy who goes by the name Snapshot Eye or Beauty Beyond the Eye called Paul Breach. I think it's Paul Breach. He's this ginger guy. He really, really irks me. He does weird dancing videos. He's the guy that dances to Green, Green Grass, that fucking George Ezra song. I hate that song so much. Um, And I think he's a really good example of cancel culture now compared to say i think jenna left in 2020 i think there is a very different environment now depending on where you're cancelled i think jenna was cancelled on twitter and this pool guy has been i'm doing big fat air quotes right now cancelled on tiktok and when you cancel someone on tiktok i think it's the most fucking inbred behavior because people make accounts and i'm guilty of watching these because I find that I, something about, like, cringe makes me, like, want to watch it. We've talked about... Uh, maybe we've not talked about cringe. I think I've watched a ContraPoint video about cringe now. I'm like, mm, I made that. <laughs> I love her so much. Man like ContraPoints. Anyway, you should watch that. Um, I feel like he was not cancelled. When you cancel someone on TikTok, there's so much talk about them that it absolutely boosts their career into, you know, 10 times, 100 times what they originally had. I would occasionally see Paul come up on my For You page and it'd be people being like, you are, like, literally middle-aged. Why are you doing this dance? It'd be, like, really random stuff. But now it's like he's been cancelled, supposedly. Bit Again, big fat air quotes. He's being reprimanded. He's being made fun of. He's being blown up in many ways for having met, getting a girl pregnant when she was 17 and he was, like... 29 or something there was a really big age gap he might have even been in his 30s uh being clearly what people have diagnosed him as a narcissist and i think that's pretty clear like on live videos he'll get really angry 
uh, like women and who'd be like you're wearing a dress that's like showing your breasts like obviously there are people commenting on it and it's just like oh, okay king like he does give big fat abuser vibes um and he was also and i think this is it's just hilarious that he's not been like removed from the platform he was he used to be a carer in an old person's home or like a vulnerable person's home i don't think it was specifically for disabled people but it was certainly for the elderly and he was he did a video where he was saying we should as carers kiss our residents on the cheek more and someone was comment someone stitched it or commented on it like you know my dad's in a care home and he thinks because he's got dementia that you know everyone that talks to him really fancies him and it's like we should not be kissing these people on the lips or the cheek either way i suppose my overall point with paul i did go on a bit of a tangent there but i think what he did is kind of good context when we think about it what he has done is actively essentially been a paedophile she was under 18, she was to be fair over 16 but it's just weird all right it's weird if not paedophilia it's very strong noncery the noncery is off the charts unfortunately for paul um potentially having a narcissistic personality disorder i don't think you can really cancel someone for that i think that's more of a justification of not justification but an explanation for his behavior and you know warning flags this guy has a narcissistic personality disorder and is not addressing it and is you know actively perpetrating gross behaviors such as kissing old-aged people on the on the cheek and being like guys we should do this more it, it's outrageous and it makes my blood boil that that's a concept and he then tried to get away with it he then posted videos being like this is literally becoming a beauty beyond the eye fucking podcast episode this is exactly what my point is it's so hard to talk about someone that you really don't like to have cancelled them with by with actually cancelling them cancelling should mean we no longer talk about this person we don't really fuck with this person we don't watch their videos because we don't want them, their platform to grow because they portray a negative and hurtful message, which I think Paul does, you know, talking about doing these things, suggesting this is an okay behaviour, uh, actively being weird and ginger, that's worth cancelling, ginger on camera as well, um, and he's gained so much more traction, is what I want to say, ever since this has become an, a point of interest, it happened with Shane Dawson, it happened with Jeffree Star, people ate Shane Dawson's videos up. They mm, gobbled them up ever when he was cancelled. Because it was like, oh my god, what's he gonna say next? Is he gonna like do you know what I mean? It becomes a whole drama, it becomes a whole a situation. Whereas I feel like if we were just like if someone was like, ooh, don't really like this, gross. Not even to have his platform deleted. That I think is where censorship comes in, and it's quite difficult to find the line between that. If TikTok took his account down because a large majority of people didn't agree with what he said. I think that is pretty much the definition of censorship. Is it maybe I'm wrong. I'll Google the definition and we'll talk about it in a minute. But I feel like if everyone could just communally agree what he's doing is weird, he perpetrates a bad message, you know, do do we want this man on our for you pages? No, we do not. Okay, so let's let's stop watching him. Let's stop blowing his account up. And I think he would actually probably agree with this because he's like, yeah, haters go away. But I mean, I think he'd only do that because he's like, yeah, I know they're not going to. Do you know what I mean? He probably is really enjoying the traction he gets from it as much as he's like, God, haters, get off my platform. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's obviously like the, the, you know, the mainstream thing to say. He probably understands that he's profiting humongously, as did Shane Dawson, as did Jeffree Star, as did, as did James Charles, humongously from cancel culture. They, in fact, had their platforms 
rocketed into the world of social influence. A uh, quick side note, I just realised that I've been saying humongously and I think that's really funny. I think that's really funny. I'm not going to, I'm not going to edit that out. That's raw. That is beauty beyond the eye, if I've ever heard of it. I've also been saying per- perpetrates and I think I meant to say perpetuates. Um. Either way. <coughs> so we've really touched on censorship uh, and censorship is defined as the act of suppression of speech. Um, or the act of suppressing speech, I'd rather say. Uh, and I think it's quite an interesting fine line between, I suppose, a balance of the two. You know, if we have neo-Nazis on Twitter or any public platform, I think they'd probably be on Facebook. I feel like neo-Nazis would love they'd eat Facebook up. Um, is it more harmful to allow people to potentially dog-whistle and incite hateful acts you know including violence uh even if it's just a dog whistle than it is to censor someone's speech you know at what cost do we censor someone you know or at what cost do we not censor someone i suppose and i think it's quite it's not that often i think that we have an actual i can't think of a scenario where someone is actively tweeting like violent insights it's almost entirely rare that we have someone actively, you know, tweeting things or... I keep saying tweet, but I mean, I don't really use Twitter that much. But I feel like having anyone on any kind of platform actively inciting violence obviously is a big major no-no. But it's so... I can't think of a single example where someone is, like, actively tweeting, like, I'm going to hate crime. Do you know what I mean? It's more way more often a dog whistle, which I think is, you know, just as bad, if not worse, because it goes under the radar. You know, there are so many things I think conservative MPs tweet quite a lot of dog whistle things or say a lot of dog whistle kind of phrases uh and by dog whistle i mean things that kind of allow people to take a meaning there's a lot of like anti-semitic dog whistles uh and you know for example i think uh poor uh representations of them in harry potter for example like making the bankers all have big noses and like kind of goblin-y like as in a really anti-semitic image uh or representation of Jews, is a borderline a dog whistle. So someone tweeting something that doesn't really sound like it's that offensive, and then actually when you look into the meaning, it's like, oh, you know, these numbers actually represent a Nazi thing. It can become very, like, conspiracy theory quite quickly, but I do think there are some, like, pretty obvious dog whistles. Anyway, I think that the the thing we lose by censoring someone is the actual principle of free speech, and free speech is such a difficult concept as well. Something that people denounce censorship and the idea of cancel culture for when we think of it as a form of censorship and a form of weird punishment and ostracisation, but for the wrong reasons, is that censorship can sometimes be applied to people that don't deserve it or when it's wrongly placed or the blame is, you know, misplaced. I can't think of a single example where that's happened, you know, where someone has been completely and entirely wrongly accused. I'm sure it has happened, but, you know, just the idea that it's a, a common mainstream thing, it feels a lot like you know, rape, you know, false rape allegations happen all the time. It's like, no, they fucking don't. Like, they, they, I'm sure they happen, but to incredibly high-level celebrities, like, don't worry, Bradley from Cheshire 39 loves My Little Pony. Like, it's not going to happen, babe. The New York Post wrote an article about con- cancel culture, and they called it a toxic online trend. Um, And I think that's quite interesting. And they do talk a lot about, in the article, like, quite petty cancellations of people. So, for example, the one that I remember being quite 
like interesting to look at and being like this is kind of stupid reasons to cancel someone was Jodie Comer the actress in Killing Eve she's amazing she's also in my uh Mad Fat Diary or my I want to say my Big Fat Diary but I feel like that's not the name of it I do like that show anyway um so she's the actress she's amazing uh and obviously she plays a lesbian in Killing Eve and then it was rumored that she she had a rumored boyfriend so we don't even know if it was her boyfriend and we also don't know if he was conservative but it was her rumored boyfriend was rumoured to be conservative and people cancelled her, like, online. I remember this being a thing. I remember seeing a couple of TikToks, like, oh, my God, Jodie Comer, like, queer baiting. Like, just because she wore a suit doesn't mean she was saying she was a lesbian. But anyway, maybe people thought Killing Eve was a documentary and they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe she has a BF. So sad. Um, But I feel like articles that denounce it, especially, like, American articles written by quite mainstream uh, newspapers, uh are sort of focusing on cancer culture in really petty situations you know they never talk about uh you know someone you know potentially inciting violence online they never really talk about like quite serious matters you know for example katie hopkins twitter being disabled or whatever uh i don't i never actually understood what the issue was with katie hopkins i just didn't keep up with her i feel like she was a bit stupid like and obviously dislikable but i don't really I, i don't remember her i think she was like racist wasn't she or is racist anyway no me gusta but I feel like incidents of like Donald Trump, for example, like actively inciting like riots, for example, and violence for conservatives um, is quite an interesting like cancellation because these articles always focus on really stupid celebrity gossip. And I think that's a kind of like diminishing of the issue because it's like, oh, these stupid young people, they care if someone has a conservative boyfriend. Like I don't think people seriously care that much. I think it's weird when like, Lana Del Rey, for example, goes out with a police officer. It's like, are you... Like, all of your songs are literally, like, about, like, running with outlaws and stuff. But then I guess it's, like, a persona. And it's, like, whatever. You do whatever you want, babe. Like, a cab all day, every day. Like, gross. But, I don't know. It's it's where we draw the line. And it's hugely subjective. What is and isn't offensive. And whether it is or isn't worth cancelling, big fat air quotes, again, someone for. Well, something else that kind of piqued my interest was the... Uh, also from the New York Post article was they were kind of talking about cancel culture uh, as a kind of form of exiling. You know, how people, you know, in literally the Middle Ages would be like, you were a dick, now I'm going to exile you to France forever. Which I think being banished to France is, in, like, punishment enough, even for, like, a week. But I feel like there is a historical significance to cancel culture. And New York Times, or New York Post, sorry, kind of describing it as this, like, celebrity gossip thing really diminishes it because there is an absolute and intrinsic biological or primal need to ostracize someone that doesn't act within societal conventions and that is a doctor of sausages sociology uh on that new york post talking about that it's a really interesting article and i will link it or i'll probably forget but if you want it you can ask me for it or just look it up it's really good uh and she talks about how there's like a big history behind cancelling people and ostracizing people and i kind of wonder why i don't really understand what purpose I, I suppose it kind of maintains boundaries within societies like if someone's acting outside of that norm you know if if you're a society that you know absolutely looks frowns upon rape for example and then you have someone come and rape the village you're obviously going to be like what the fuck like it'd probably do a bit more than that but you know what i mean like i feel like that whole idea of socially ostracizing someone even for little things like we socially ostracize people all the time but i wouldn't cancel someone for wearing an ugly outfit as much as i wish i could i just it's just it's not 
it's things that are much bigger I suppose and I wonder if it is the pushing of boundaries and things that kind of law in a way it feels like there's a law and I feel like there certainly is a law on the internet um of what can and can't be said I am losing my voice it's fresh as week that's okay the article writing company Vox I actually don't know what the fuck else they do but we love Vox they were talking about a power imbalance like huge figures actions and words might have a like a disproportionate effect on certain marginalized community like if Donald Trump has a humongous Stop, I need to stop saying humongous. Have a fucking huge platform. And then, you know, if he tweets something that's like borderline a dog whistle or just blatantly racist, sexist, homophobic, whatever, then that kind of encourages people to be that way. But then you have to think, so ultimately if someone is tweeting something that you disagree with or that is offensive in many ways, you know, does that, if that directly incites violence, it's wrong, right? But the people that did the violence are still responsible, you know, Donald Trump is not responsible for the actions of other people, even if he kind of is. Do you know what I mean? They still went out of their way to do that. They might have some kind of weird Stockholm syndrome with him, but he did not bribe them, you know, or extort them in any way to get them to do that. You know, it might be some kind of brainwashing, but, uh, you know, as far as I know, I don't think that's really illegal. It's just politics, isn't it? It's still gross, though. It's like, what is the actual solution to people potentially inciting violence, inciting hatred, and kind of getting away with it? I think overall, this has been kind of a brief episode, but I'm I'm kind of grasping at straws. It feels very difficult to talk about this and kind of understand what the solution is. And there's so many questions that surround it, you know. What is justice? If we can say that the, uh, you know, the point of cancel culture, which is still up for debate, I would say, is the point of cancel culture to, you know, to teach someone or is it to get justice or is it simply, you know, for for a lot of people, I do believe that it is just for for the purpose of entertainment to hate someone um like for example the Jodie Comer thing I don't think anyone genuinely had a problem with her going out with a conservative like I don't know if that's that deep I mean we don't like him maybe but you know her is she is she inciting violence or encouraging him to vote conservative she might not be fully committed to the cause anyway such a questionable I mean it's kind of gross anyway like why would you date a conservative um but I guess it has different value to other people I feel like we have no compassion like as a society like it's really difficult to understand other people's views especially if someone says something like such a wild card if someone's like i'm a conservative and you are like strongly left-wing you immediately denounce everything else they say and it's really hard not to do that and i think we have all gone to this mindset well this absolute echo chamber like cancel culture is something that only happens within the echo chamber of the left which is why i think it's so weird to see like daily mail or whatever was it the daily time or something the article i was talking about earlier calling protesters you know, saying that they were denouncing the Queen, that they were cancelling the Queen, like, cancel culture. It feels really weird to hear that, because that's obviously come from a royalist, um, conservative-leaning government. And it's really weird to hear it in that context. If we assume, again, that the need to cancel someone comes from the need to get justice, accountability, and admission of guilt, and an apology, but then that's not enough. It's not enough for someone to apologise. I think cancel culture is overboard a lot of the time, but I also think the, the words cancel culture are, like, stupid because i think the need to get justice is you know primal the need to have someone take accountability and to have someone to blame is kind of primal but a lot of the time i think our lack of compassion and the absolute hatred that we feel within ourselves and that i feel so often like angry towards people i have no idea who they are like even just seeing someone talk about something i disagree with i'm like shut the fuck up like you're stupid and they might have an incredibly well-informed they might be academically excellent but i can think they're so stupid for having a slightly different belief from me 
And I'm sure it's the same when you guys listen to something I say and you don't disagree, you don't agree with it. It's like, oh, it's stupid. Like, same with everyone. It's very difficult to have compassion for people that have completely different views from you. But careers rarely end when we cancel someone. In fact, uh, Vox was also talking about J.K. Rowling's book, Harry Potter. Have you ever heard of it? It's kind of underground. Um, how her book sales rocketed in the United Kingdom immediately after the controversy with... Um, when she was talking about, I think it was the whole anti-Semitic thing and not the trans thing. It might have been both. She was kind of cancelled for everything at the time, but... Serve, anyway. Um, I mean, she's ginger. We should cancel her for that as well. Um, Along with Paul and Jeffrey Dahmer. The amount of times I've talked about J.K. Rowling in this fucking podcast. I wish I could get her to come on the podcast. J.K., what's up? Hello. That's what she'd say. Um, Anyway, I feel like people's careers don't end. In an ideal world, in my little utopia, Annie's world, we wouldn't cancel people to hurt them. You know, even if you hate them, we have such a difficult time with compassion, I think, as humans. Even if we hated someone, we wouldn't be doing it because we hate them. You know, we'd be doing it because we either want to teach them and let them grow. I think the ability to make mistakes is a really interesting one. You know, do I? I absolutely hate XXX Temptation for what he did to another woman. And I think that his choice not to grow or change or take any accountability for that is what leaves me and so many other people and women and feminists alike in a, a situation where you're just left with anger and disgust, and you, you hope, you know, you're happy that person's dead, for example, you know, I remember being like, I hope you rot in hell, X, and people being like, whoa, that's disrespectful, and I'm like, mm. but he was a piece of shit, and he didn't take any accountability, he didn't admit any guilt, so I think in that situation with people like Paul, for example, and the guy I was talking about on TikTok, the nonce, the old age kisser, granny shagger, in fact, is, the best way to deal with that, I think, is absolutely to ignore them, the people that make these accounts, that absolutely just, like, blow up their accounts and give them so much more attention. Like, Paul's lives on TikTok, it's like, they do so well because there are people in the comments like, you repeat it, and he'll just ignore the comments and enjoy the views and enjoy the fact that he's getting, like, boosted to the top of the live street. I don't know how it fucking works, but you know what I mean? It's just giving him more attention and giving people more attention in general when we hate them is such a human, an immature thing to do, but also, I don't know if we ever grow out of it. I don't know if we ever stop being like this because it's just so animal- animalistic to hate someone in that way i think that pretty much covers everything that i was thinking about in, over this topic if you've got any more kind of like interesting points about cancel culture if you think it achieves what it does i don't think it achieves what achieves what it should but i also don't think the goal of cancel culture is a common denominator in many people's minds i think for many people it's about hatred and for many people like myself i think it should be about removing that person from a, not necessarily removing someone from a platform but removing you know, not giving them the attention, like, not streaming R. Kelly's music, for example, I feel like it's quite an effective way of being like, suck your mum, do you know what I mean? Actively choosing not to do something like watch Pools Live or whatever. It's a very difficult thing to discuss. I'm very glad we had the time today to discuss it. I wonder if you're going about your day, what you're doing, what you're up to. You want a train? You want a bus? I'm still left with quite a lot of questions and I'm, I don't want it to be a frustrating episode where I just don't come to any good conclusion at all. But I feel, I just hope that it kind of reminds you of how uncompassionate we are. I'm not saying that we should be compassionate to people that are like rapists and kiddie fiddlers or whatever or, you know, people that assault people or people that are racist or, you know, incite violence in any kind of way. But you also have to think people are individually responsible for their own actions, no matter what they've seen on TV, no matter what they've read, no matter what they've looked at online it shouldn't be 
you know, those people were a problem anyway, if they were going to be incited so easily into, you know, an act of violence or a hate crime. But like I say, thank you for joining me today. I hope that at some point I can answer my own questions. I hope that you can answer my questions. If you do have any interesting thoughts on this, any thoughts at all, if you've ever had a thought, I want to hear them. And I'll see you maybe next time. Bye.